0: Well good morning everyone. Welcome to Raging Storm Funding Stormwater Needs. Today is May seventeenth, 2018. We're delighted that you're joining us for this CSMFO webinar and this is the 20th year of the coaching program is a member benefit. It's guided by the Career Development Committee under the leadership of Laura Nomura, and we have over a dozen volunteers that are seeking to identify topics, presenters, and critical issues that are important to you in being successful in your local government finance career. This is a quick overview, you're going to get a 10-step plan to finance stormwater requirements, you're going to get tools, you're going to learn about the experiences of others, and, and here to provide that is an outstanding set of presenters. We have Tim Sufert, who's the Managed Director of MBS. Uh, Tim has been working for over two decades in helping public agencies uh, and special financing districts address their revenue needs. Uh, and he has a master's in public administration from San Francisco State University. We've got Dan Schaff, um And Dan has got 22 years of experience in the areas of drainage, flood control, surface water, hydrology, hydraulics, et cetera. He's going to be talking with you about the nuts and bolts of getting a stormwater plan. Uh, together that would be the foundation for getting the funding that you need so important things to know as you work with your public works colleagues and others uh, to get those things done and he's led more than ten stormwater master plans you'll be hearing about some of his work uh, with uh, the city of Palo Alto in particular and that brings us uh, to Lalo Perez Lalo is administrative services director and CFO in Palo Alto Uh, he is an MPA from Golden State University Uh, and he has a um, was noted as the government CFO of the year in 2012 by the Silicon Valley Business Journal great distinction and uh, Lalo is concluding his career of over 32 years uh, with the city of Palo Alto um this uh summer so he'll be still active in the in the profession as he assures us but uh won't be there uh guiding us with the leading edge examples out of Palo Alto that we've been counting on for so many years and then uh we have his color commentator uh, Tim Kirby he's the director of finance for the city of Sunnyvale it's really valuable for Tim to be with us today, because Tim is going to be thinking about this from your vantage point as audience members and thinking about his own uh, journey on this and how to put these things into practice. So we'll be going to him from time to time for some key takeaways uh, for you on your efforts. And I'm Don Mariska. I'm the director of the CSMFO Coaching Program, a master certified coach, and uh, Creator and moderator of these webinars so pleased that you're all with us today so Tim just before we go uh, Tim Kirby that is uh, just before we go forward into the presentation uh, I'd appreciate if you take a minute to share your perspective on this and what you're hoping your colleagues will be looking for out of today
1: yeah thanks Don I know this is a, a challenge Sunnyvale's facing the same kind of challenges a lot of the jurisdictions are um, you know, aging infrastructure, increasing regulations. Um, Sunnyvale's had to put about six, we're planning to put about 60 million into stormwater over the next 20 years. And it competes for general fund resources. And so funding is a challenge and, and finding creative and sustainable ways to fund these, these needs are important. So. I really we gave this set at, at CSMFO I really enjoyed it got some great information out of it so I'm, I'm hoping that this will be helpful for, for a larger audience here on a, on a webinar
0: great and, and uh, Tim Kirby I remember you also challenged the uh, panel to provide additional information about legislation about the, some of the pitfalls and problems so appreciate you uh, stimulating uh, the efforts to make this webinar even more valuable for our audience So with that in mind, let me uh, just go to our very first polling question. We encourage people to learn as groups. We think it's the, and we know from our experience, that's the best way for you to gain understanding and uh, experience with this. So we welcome uh, all of you, whether you're attending by yourself or with others, but we particularly want to see how we're doing in reaching out. And encouraging group learning so that you can go back and have kind of a critical mass of people who are helping you go forward so again if you have any questions please send them through the question function and uh, we also provide the handouts right now right in go to webinars so if you go on the handouts portion and you click on that you'll get an immediate PDF of the agenda packet which is the agenda bios and behind that Uh, PDF of the presentation materials you can use your browser controls to print those out or whatever Uh, you can also access that afterwards Uh, we'll give you the um, location of that on the website we always provide that 24 hours in advance and that was what we had done for this session uh, because we know many of you like to look at those beforehand and be prepared for these sessions as much as possible so let's take a look at our audience uh, here today Um, and for that I'm getting uh, Tim Suf, uh, Sufert uh, lined up here so uh, I can see that we have uh, three quarters that are there on your own and another quarter that uh, in small groups so we're delighted that all of you are with us thanks so much for doing that uh, it's a great way for us to move forward in the profession so let's um, let's take a look here and uh, move forward on the presentation I've now included Uh, Tim Sufert in the controls, and I'll be taking uh, others of us that aren't presenting currently off the screen so we're not uh, distracting you uh, from your attention to um, Tim Sufert and Dan uh, Schaff. And so uh, here we go. So, uh, Tim, uh, please carry us forward.
2: All right. Good morning, everybody. We are going to talk about stormwater, obviously, as uh, as Don mentioned, and uh, so we're calling it the raging storm, because it
3: seems like we are battling a storm uh, in trying to fund and finance all the things that we need to do. So the question, obviously, the reason that you're here today is to think about your agency and how you will fund uh, stormwater. Bear with me here. I'm uh, trying to get the slides to advance. There we go.
2: Our little uh, thinking man re- representing all of you. Um, so we'll I'll, I'll go through the agenda in just a moment here. But really, what we're talking about is 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 coming in from the thirty thousand foot level and talking about what stormwater is and what the requirements are, and then what are the various things that you need to fund and the improvements that you need to finance and we'll talk a little bit more about obviously funding and finance have, have certain nuances most of you finance folks understand that but uh certainly a reminder to to many of us um, before we go too far though wanted to pass the baton to Dan for just a minute to define stormwater so that everybody is clear on on what exactly we're
4: talking about so Dan please yeah sure so Tim and the rest of everybody um Stormwater, simply put, is runoff from rainfall or snow melt on surfaces. They could be pervious surfaces or impervious surfaces. Uh, and these days, we're also concerned about what's in the water. Trash, chemicals, g- organics, those type of things to keep our waterways clean. That's it. Simple. Great. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Yep.
2: So this this picture here sort of represents the way uh, stormwater seems to be in California. It's not making a nice tasty uh, uh, gumbo here, if you will, but really cooking up a a toxic stew in many many respects. With what Dan mentioned, you know, organics going in, various poisons and various things that uh, you know run into stormwater. In addition to the obviously the the flooding concerns and the sort of physical Concerns of, of having too much water and as the state continues to develop and you have more, more roads and surfaces and parking lots and what have you, uh, stormwater, you know, just continues to be more challenging and there's a lot of pressures, um, if you will. So why are we talking about money? Well, you know, it, it really goes back to Proposition 13, which is now, believe it or not, 40 years ago. But uh, you can see this chart just sort of graphically shows what happened to local revenue. For many of you who are maybe new to the state or new to public finance, it's kind of amazing to think that prior to Prop 13, you could adjust the property tax rate uh, as needed. So if you needed more money for stormwater, you could just increase the property tax rate above the, the base percent. Obviously, that's not how things are done today, and that's why we have to talk about creative ways to to fund and finance so here's our here's our agenda that we're going to zip through in the next uh, you know a little over an hour um, we're going to do this 10-step plan right not a 12-step plan, but a 10-step plan to look at what what I think is you know probably 90 some percent of your of your potential needs we'll talk a little bit about legislation and updates and um, Dan is going to give us the, the Stormwater 101, um, building on his definition, and talk about master planning and all the different things that you uh should be doing in your community. And then, as mentioned, Lalo Perez is going to talk about the pa- Palo Alto case study and, and some of the forward thinking and, and good stuff that they have done there. So think about your priorities. That's obviously the first thing before you're not going to jump to a funding tool until you really understand what are you trying to do for a lot of communities the environment in general uh, Dan mentioned pollutants and and things and storm water that get into our our creeks and, and oceans and beaches and all that kind of thing so are you thinking about the environment are you thinking about infrastructure Tim Kirby mentioned lots of infrastructure needs uh, in his community, so presumably there's some of that obviously, one of the biggest components and the and often the least sexy if you will uh, is just the ongoing maintenance and services so it's it's very possible you're thinking that you're thinking about all these things. Very possible that you're already thinking about lunch too, <laughs> but uh we want to obviously stay focused on the uh on the top three. Okay. And one of the things we want to be
0: sure to do is to be focusing this webinar on things that are most important to our audience. So I'm going to give you a chance here to click off as many of these items as are your learning priorities for today's session. And then uh, we'll ask the presenters to to allocate the time effectively across uh, these different needs and interests that you have. So we're sure to um, be able to respond to as many of you and your interests as possible. Uh, So we'll give a a minute for this to come out and again uh, the uh, uh, Handout is available on go to webinar before you It's also available and you'll get an automatic notice when the digital Recording is available. We're really glad that you're here for the live interactive session because it's really a great learning opportunity and the polling questions We've got are going to help you get focused on what you want to do next and how you want to do it and our presenters are, are zeroed in on that Uh, But we uh, you know want to have a high quality digital recording available So you can share with others in your work groups and so on and and tell them You know what it is that you learned today that you want to share with them. So we've headed out for a minute here Let's uh, close this uh, take a look at how people responded Um, You see the big thing of course is digging into the funding opportunities because that's what this is all about uh, and your role is finance but uh, also getting an overview of what the process is and um learning from others so that you don't have to start from scratch and there's a very specific getting started checklist that's coming at the end so uh i think we'll be able to hit all of your needs here and we're going to blast forward to do that
3: all right warms my heart there are 88 percent of you thinking about them the the dollars here
2: so (laughs) that's what we're going to certainly spend a chunk of time on um This is not rocket science, but it is important to sort of step back and think about the, this, this two-step process of developing the priorities and then, and only then, choosing these, your funding or uh, financing tools. So, how do we do that? There's a, there's a lot of ways and, and, and Lalo's gonna actually talk about this with, with Palo Alto and it'll kind of illuminate, but really understanding what the community needs. You know, it's, it's understanding the, the infrastructure. It's understanding all the sort of technical and the civil engineering piece of it. But what is important to the community? Are they willing to support, uh, more environmental needs, maybe, as opposed to the sort of brick and mortar, if you will? Are they, um, interested in flooding? Um, some communities, you know, that's, that's a, that's a big, that's a big priority because they've had, um, issues in the last few years with weather volatility and and what have you. So then you look at the different funding sources and tools which is what we're going to walk through here in our in our 10 step uh plan. Uh, one more sort of admonition as we're as we're thinking about this I've, I alluded to this a couple of times funding and financing So it's it's really important because a number of these tools um, are good for one and or maybe not the other or some are good for both Are you looking at the one-time capital investment? Where you need to put in infrastructure? That's going to last for you know, 10 20 30 40 50 years or is it the ongoing services um so we're going to we're going to be mindful of this sort of dichotomy as we step through the the funding plan and we're
0: just going to interject I- here with
2: uh, with Tim Kirby our uh color commentator
0: on this Tim you've been grappling with this issue of the capital and the operating costs could you just uh you know help punctuate this point a little bit about thinking about both dimensions here for our audience
1: yeah, and I think what what I want to emphasize is that don't don't underestimate the operating costs. So when you put in for those of you who are dealing with trash regulations, if you put in large or small trash capture devices or you're planning on doing that, you then have to maintain those, and maintenance involves you know vacuuming them out and cleaning them up and um, and you have to do it several times a year at least. So we've had to add, a full piece of equipment and and two utility workers, which is not a small cost to add annually to to, to deal with this on an ongoing basis. So I just want to emphasize don't don't get over focused on the capital. There is a significant ongoing cost too.
0: Great. Thanks Tim. Go ahead Tim Suffert. Yes.
2: All right. Um, it looks like this is, for some reason, this is a little blurred out there. Hopefully you can see this. So we're going to walk through the 10-step plan, and I will say that the 10 steps are really not necessarily in any sort of prioritized order, because every community is going to have some different needs. But I did uh, definitely put this in as, as number one in looking at your water, sewer, and trash utilities. So. You you have to be very transparent about this, and there's nothing sort of nefarious about it. But if there there is a nexus between your stormwater operation and, let's say, your your sanitary sewer, if you're trying to keep stormwaters out of the sewer utility because that's going to make your sewer utility work better and work more efficiently and, and less expensively, you can allocate certain revenues, costs, however you want to look at it, from util- these three utilities which are you know fee-for-service type utilities towards your stormwater um, needs we didn't talk about this before but you know California is unique in the western United States in that you can form a stormwater utility but you don't necessarily have a funding mechanism to to keep that utility going so the second one on our list is development impact fees. Now, these many many of you are familiar with these in, in communities. And development impact fees can be everything from you know childcare to government services, uh, buildings to fire, what have you. But stormwater should certainly be under consideration for putting in an impact fee. And this is a one-time, capital only, of course, um, way to raise um, funds regulatory fees um, a number of uh, actually working with a number of cities right now implementing uh, you know inspection fees and such especially cities that might have larger uh, commercial enterprises and and um, areas that need uh, annual inspections and that kind of thing property related fee this is probably the, the the area that we'll spend a little bit of time on and maybe the the most confusing because property related fee, the term is thrown around quite a bit. You pay your water bill, for example, that is technically a water, uh, or excuse me, a property related fee. Um, but instituting a standalone stormwater fee has a lot of uh, intricacies and uh, I would say legal hurdles that we'll talk about in a few minutes. Um, but that sh- should be part of your, you know, your ten-step consideration. Geo bonds, general obligation bonds, in case uh, you're not familiar with that term. Getting the community to um, vote on these obviously is the is the political challenge. But if you've had those community discussions and, and understand what's what's what, you could vote in a geo bond for a, a range of different things and stormwater could be part of of that um, that campaign Uh, the very versatile and uh, and sort of favored tool uh, in the special tax and assessment world these days is the CFD right community facilities district that can be used for um, funding both capital as well as ongoing services or both and we'll talk a little bit more about those in a few minutes the Cousin to the CFD, if you will, is a a parcel tax, um, special tax, it's it's often called, two-thirds approval. Um, But we have an example I'll talk about. I think it's the first one in the state that's a parcel tax specifically for stormwater. And then the tried and true, been around for 100 years, you know, benefit assessment districts, 1915 Act, 1982 Act, uh, 72 Act, there's a number of different um, acts that can be used for an assessment district. That can fund uh, capital, uh, services, or or possibly both, and we'll go into a little more detail in a second. Grants, of course, various other sources from the state and the federal and and other um, entities should be part of that. Um, and and sort of under this, you could even look at like state revolving fund and, and various loan programs. And last but not least, probably where many of you are funding your stormwater right now is that. Uh, beleaguered general fund and if you spend a lot of time on the first nine you can hopefully minimize the amount of revenue that's coming out of uh, the general fund now I mentioned uh, a minute ago and again this is just sort of a, to punctuate that um, there are today there are you you have utility rates for water sewer trash you can't necessarily implement a a, a rate or a charge for um, a property related fee for stormwater except for some very limited uh, circumstances that i'll that I'll talk about in just a moment
0: just before we go there uh, we're going to um, have an example from Tim Kirby about the value of looking at some of your other uh funds to uh, support your efforts because they have important nexes uh, to the stormwater problem Tim did you want to Kirby do you want to pick up on that for a moment
1: yeah, sure. So I, I I feel like one of the takeaways from this is there may not there may not be a single funding solution. You might have to take, you know, many approaches to fund the whole program. And so one of the things we did is we analyzed our stormwater trash program and um you know, we do a lot of work around going to restaurants and businesses and getting them to close their dumpster lids. And, you know, we looked at, you know, when when the front load dumpster dumps, it, you know, trash goes flying. And so we did a little analysis and decided we could allocate, justify, um, you know, a small percentage, 15% of the program costs uh, to be funded out of the solid waste enterprise. So that was something that we implemented this year with this upcoming year. And um, it's, you know, it doesn't take, it doesn't come close to funding the whole thing, but it is, you know, it does chip away at some of those costs.
0: Thank you Tim Kirby. Go ahead. Yes,
2: it sort of yeah, it takes a village of various things to to attack this. So I'm going to try to uh in the very short time we have here, I'm going to try to um juxtapose what could be done in your community for a standalone storm drain fee. Um a couple of years ago AB 2403 redefined water to say it's water from any source. So think about that for a second, and then the more recent bill that everybody's talking about is SB 231, which ostensibly on its face made it sound like um, a stormwater fee would be in the same category as water, sewer, trash. It's not that simple, and there are going to be some court cases in the very near future, uh, depending on who who steps out um, first on this. But to give an example, I think uh, this this is a good one. If you were a community that relies on groundwater and you were to institute programs to capture stormwater and recharge your basin so that you have a better water supply, that is, that is a water supply and that could, you could institute a stormwater fee that would be akin to like a water or trash fee. So you would send out a notice. You would not have to have an election and you could institute the storm drain fee in that manner. On the other end of the spectrum, if your community is really interested in the environment and pollution control, if you were to try to implement that stormwater fee, but it was not for water supply, it was merely to, to improve your environment and pollution control, that storm drain fee would still be subject to some type of approval, either property owner or registered voter now this is an area again where we're all going to have to tread carefully, talk to your attorneys, you know pay attention to uh people like Kelly Salt and Michael Colantuno who are uh, experts in this as this uh this evolves so going back to the the one of the tools in our toolbox here is the is the c f d and parcel tax they are like I mentioned they're cousins, if you will. So they have a lot of similarities. If you're looking at implementing one of these, it does not have to have the strict rigor of benefit criteria as uh, an assessment district does. You have to have reasonable metrics and obviously you want to achieve your goals and policies. At the time being, for the time being, two-thirds approval is still the, the requirement. There's been discussion of, uh, you know, lowering that and there's also discussion of, uh, of cementing the two-thirds. So, Stay tuned on that, but for the time being, two-thirds approval, and some examples of projects. You know, really runs the gamut. Obviously, stormwater, but you can do libraries, open space, lots of different things. Special assessment. So here's our benefit assessment districts, not a tax. Uh, They do. They are benefit-based. You do have to separate out the general benefit and only assess for special benefit. You have to go through the assessment engineering process. It's rigorous.
3: But they are still viable.
2: Assessment districts are not not dead. They just need uh, good care and feeding. The approval mechanism for a special assessment district is a property owner protest ballot. It is not an election. It is basically a 50%... um,
3: A approval, if you will, but you're actually looking for a majority protest. So you mail out ballots and you tabulate what you get back. Again, sample
2: projects. There's a a range of different things that you can do. Um, Infrastructure, maintenance,
3: uh, really runs the gamut. So this is a property related fee that I discussed a few minutes ago. Um, If it's
2: not water, sewer, trash, or the water supply I was talking about, you know, you have to go through the analysis
3: you do have to 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 ballot either property owners or registered voters and the
2: example that we're going to go into is uh with city of palo alto here Um, for any of you that are counties the csa county service area is is an uh, an entity if you will it's uh, that definitely merits some attention so if you are a county think about the the csa and how that can can help
3: you with your needs in in unincorporated areas. Okay, so uh you've had a good overview here
0: from Tim Souford of the various funding mechanisms, a little color commentary from uh Tim Kirby about the mix that they're trying to use in Sunnyvale. Uh like you to click off as many of these different um mechanisms as appear to be of interest to you so that we can get a read on you know how you're thinking about this, where do you think you're gonna go uh to fund these resources and then we'll get a little uh commentary from uh uh Tim Suford and Tim Kirby about um reactions to what you see as the uh, is the interest of your colleagues and what you would observe for them about you know how they're going about uh their thinking on this and some heads up maybe for. For the way they go about looking at their funding opportunities so trying to make this an opportunity for each of you out there to learn interact and get some feedback on uh, at least on a broad level for some of your thoughts and the strategies that you might have uh, in mind um, so while we're doing that there's a question why did you leave uh, general obligation bonds off the list of funding mechanisms in the quick poll well quick answer to that is we can only have five choices <laughs> in the poll um and uh, so that was one reason but uh, let's take a look at how the poll turned out and uh, what the uh, results are so let me share those and if we could ask tim suford and then tim kirby to offer a quick comment about what you're seeing and what, you, what your heads up would be to your co- colleagues out there about. How they're thinking about this?
1: So I'll start, Tim. I think you know utility rates are, like I said, if you can make that sort of connection to solid waste, but outside of that, until that goes through legal challenge, I think that's a very risky approach um, in general.
2: Yeah, you absolutely have to do your homework, and you have to um, show, demonstrate, calculate. The 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 impact as I, the the one I mentioned is is the segregation of storm water from a sanitary sewer, that's that's been a fairly common practice and it was really bolstered by SB 231. But you you, you can't just do it willy-nilly. It has to be based on on real facts and figures. Yeah. Uh, the storm drain fee we talked about. Lots of people are interested. It's interesting to see the 68% number. Um, it takes time and it takes effort, but there there is something there okay so uh,
0: let's uh, press on here thank you very much everybody for your thoughts and interaction with the ideas uh, Tim Sufert, uh carry us forward here what's what's next to think about on all this and I know you're going to get into the legislative update a little bit as
2: well yeah, I'm just going to wrap up with a couple of things here before passing it to uh, to Dan to talk about the, uh, the 101 on stormwater. Uh, I did want to mention this one. I alluded to it earlier. I believe uh, that this is the first um, and only at the moment a parcel tax that was approved by a 74% yes vote, so a solid yes vote, uh, Measure CW, they call it, clean water. Um, they focused a lot on um, the environmental, as I mentioned um, earlier. That was a priority in that in that community, and they passed this parcel tax. It's not a, a real um, hefty one, and it's certainly not going to fund 100% of their needs. It's going to fund a, a portion of their needs. As we mentioned earlier, it takes it takes many different um, uh, levers, if you will, pushing different levers. But this is one, and um, it's one that. I, I think we're gonna see replicated in in other communities. So hats off to the folks at Culver City for tackling that. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> and so the this is just gonna this is a bit of a brief thing. I did I did talk about that S B two thirty one that was passed um vast back in October. Lots of uh discussions on that. I encourage you to to read um read up on this. There's there's information through the League of Cities and, and various attorneys and such um, on 231, but it, it really does rely on the, the the facts as it will pertain in your community. There's no one-size-fits-all, and, and I definitely, you, it, SB 231 did not open the door to do a stormwater fee of any nature, uh, any time, any day. Um, it's really, it depends. Um so we're gonna we're gonna watch that and, and stay tuned and and see how that um unfolds.
0: And a moment ago, uh Tim uh, or a few minutes ago you were talking about an assembly bill. Um uh, just so that people that, that went by pretty fast and if people wanted to tune into that, what was that again and and is that something relevant for them to go back and take a look at?
2: It is absolutely an important thing to understand uh as a as a one of many background factors ab 2403 uh rendon if you want to know who sponsored it uh was passed in 2014 now so yeah we're coming up on the four-year anniversary but it it redefined uh the definition of water in the in the actual constitution to say that water coming from any sources uh is water so it applies to like recycled water storm water that kind of thing so um it sounds mundane, but it, it's actually foundational in in this whole this conversation.
0: Okay, super. Thank you so much. Uh, so we're going to turn the controls over here for a moment to um, Dan Schaff, and, and Dan has his master's uh, in water resources engineering from San Jose State University. He worked at the Army Corps of Engineers, so he's been in and around many aspects of of these topics. And uh, Dan, please uh, carry forward.
4: All right. Thanks. So, uh, a Skirgrim Master Plan really is a holistic look at a community's drainage system, the network of pipes and pumps and channels. Uh, It really does two things. It tells you what currently is wrong and what needs to be fixed in the future. Uh, And those could be capacity-related, meaning undersized uh, infrastructure. It could be the condition. A lot of these uh, pipes are metal and 50-plus years old, they're not in good shape. Uh, and more and more, we're talking about the uh, quality of the water that we're uh, putting to our rivers, oceans, bays, and that's, uh, that's becoming more and more important, and it's becoming more and more expensive to uh, meet those standards. We also put together cost estimates, engineering estimates, to let uh, the finance side know what this is going to cost over uh, the next couple years and far out into the future. Uh, We prioritize these projects, telling you what should be done first and why. Uh, And more and more communities are asking us to look at the future with climate adaptation. So, the sea levels are rising, and more and more we're looking at change in precipitation and snow uh, throughout California as uh, the climate adjusts to that. All right. All right. So, I'm going to go through each of these really quick, but um, the first thing is the capacity. And traditionally, storm drain systems were put in to get rainfall or snowmelt out into the rivers and away from your house. Uh, So, this is really the get it out quick uh, scenario. Uh, We look at the size of infrastructure. Uh, Traditionally, in California, things are sized for a 10-year storm event. So, a, a storm event that has a 10% chance happening in any given year. Uh, we look. Oh, we also look for underserved areas. There's probably in many of your communities, uh, places that don't have a lot of storm grain infrastructure, and they maybe experience a lot of uh, nuisance flooding or issues every time we get a large rainfall. I mentioned nuisance flooding. Uh, this isn't causing damage, but these are the people who constantly call and complain about the ponded water in front of their house. Um, and so, these are issues that need to be addressed in these master plans. Uh, if you're anywhere near the coast or a estuary, uh, you know that the tides have an impact on drainage. When the tides are high, storm drain systems don't function too well. And with the uh, sea levels rising, this is becoming more and more of an issue, uh, which leads to pumping. So, if things don't work via gravity, you need to install pump stations, which are very expensive and have a lot of O&M costs associated with them. Uh, We also look at the future for land use, because as we develop land, uh, that means more impervious surface, which traditionally means more runoff uh, from those uh, impervious surfaces. Also, I mentioned rain and tides are constantly changing. So these are all things that we're looking at.
0: Just a quick note on this, uh, Dan, can you help our audience? You said that most pipes were, were uh, sized for 10-year events. Are you seeing with climate change, uh, you know, the 10-year events are happening more than every 10 years? And so, in essence, the standards of how things were set up are, are behind what the reality is of today?
4: Yeah, so that's what we're everyone's studying right now. There's no conclusive evidence yet, but it really is. Uh, the last couple of years are really showing that fewer storms, but the storms we get are much more intense. So uh, what today is a 10-year storm might not be. A 10-year storm in the future might be more common. So uh, these are things to be aware of. And as scientists, that's what we're trying to predict. Thank you. Yeah. All right, so there's a lot of existing infrastructure. Most California cities are 50-plus years old. And a lot of the infrastructure that was installed is not in very good shape. Uh, One of the pictures you're looking at on the top right is a circular pipe, or at one point it was a circular pipe made out of corrugated metal. Um, You can see it's not in very good shape. It's uh, in danger of collapsing. The biggest problem with storm drain and sewer utilities is that they're underground, so they're out of sight, out of mind. Uh, We usually don't know about them until they fail, so the picture below is a failure of that pipe. This is in the town of Moraga, so they had a large sinkhole in the center of their city and was very expensive. Uh, So these are things to be aware of. As engineers, what we usually do is look at the condition of the existing infrastructure. We look for uh, corrosion, um, things that are not circular anymore. Uh, In channels, we look for scour. If they're older uh, pumps, we look for the reliability, the aging of them, do they need to be replaced? uh, Those type of things. So there's a lot of cost in just maintaining the existing infrastructure. So that's uh, one thing that goes into the master plan. All All right, so the new component that's really come into play in the last say five years is the quality of the water that we discharge uh, from our municipalities. And in contradiction with uh, my capacity related uh, improvements which were get it out, uh, water quality improvements are really based on slowing it down. We want to slow water down. We want to treat it. We want to infiltrate it into the ground. Um, Much different so you have these opposing uh, concepts and we have to figure out how to make them work together. Uh, Unique to the quality of our waters, this is mandated by the MPDS permits that each community is under, and there are certain things they must do. Um, Tim from Sunnyvale mentioned trash capture uh, here in the Bay Area. That's that's a big one right now, and communities are quickly trying to uh, meet uh, these requirements by either installing really large uh, devices in their storm drain systems, or hundreds and if not thousands of small devices at every single inlet. Um, and they're battling with the what approach to take uh, and how to fund it. Uh, a kind of a new buzzword in our industry is what we're calling green infrastructure or GI. Um, and it's just looking at infrastructure as we improve our streets. are there ways to incorporate um, water quality components? Can we slow the water down? Can we infiltrate it? Can we build, you know uh, green components to uh, infrastructure? And this is also, Mandated so cities are starting to have to plan for this Uh, Various communities throughout uh, California have TMDL so total maximum daily load So they have specific things that they have to remove from the water be it metals or fecal coliforms or trash Uh, so these are uh, the type of things that need to be funded and removed and The last would be hydro modification and this is actually another component of slowing water down. It's uh, if you have a development you need to not just reduce how much runs off from the development, but actually slow it down so that you don't affect um, the existing uh, waterways channels. so it reduces scour, things like that. So, once we do all that, uh, we put together a cost estimate, and this is where it really hurts. Um, Because we're looking at such large areas, we tend to use unitized costs, so we're not doing uh, detailed designs for each of these. Uh, capital improvements, we're looking at unitized costs, usually based on linear footage of pipe or equivalent. Uh, we look at the construction climate, so ENR, Engineering News Record, is the index that we tend to use. It can help us um, relate costs for different locations, so spatially and then also temporally with time. Uh, we look a lot at cost to benefit. So If a million dollar project removes two homes from flooding versus a $50,000 project that removes five blocks, we're probably going to have more benefit in the the cheaper project. Uh, The other thing we've seen from a lot of communities is the squeaky wheel gets the grease, meaning that there's a lot of sort of pet projects that go into this and their priority goes up quite a bit, even though the cost of benefits not there. there. To me, there's nothing wrong with that. It's projects that need to get done. Uh, we try to estimate the uh, operations costs and maintenance costs for this infrastructure which is adding up to a lot these days I'm sure Tim um, can uh, relay that message Um, and then there's also a lot of on the engineering side there's a lot of mandated reporting and things that are uh, really required and without a funding source this gets back to the whole conversation is you know, a lot of times communities, when we do master planning, say, tell us, we only have a million dollars this year from the general fund. What can we build? And so we see a lot of that. All right. So we wrapped this all in a report. On the right, you can see that we did the storm Green master plan report for the city of Palo Alto, which Lalo will talk about. But hopefully, this is the uh, now I get it, the light bulb goes off um, moment. And what we're realizing is these are just engineering reports these are uh, reports that everyone in the community and in the local government is using so uh, as engineers we use this for technical information we use it to design these projects Uh, the financial side is using it to figure out how much per year and you know those type of things politicians are reading it to figure out which communities are going to benefit from this and probably add you know more handouts in that community and, and and we're seeing you know the public being more and more engaged in this and they're actually reading our reports and asking us difficult questions which which I like um, we tend to layer these documents so a, a lot of people can just read the executive summary and that's good enough uh, but if you can go in to so all the layers you can figure out exactly what we did why we did it and what needs to be done next um, so it is a planning tool For all uh, city departments and hopefully it gets used Um, for us it sits on a shelf it's not doing anyone any good all right
0: I think that's all I have okay great well thank you so much uh, Dan uh, for that presentation so I want to go to a polling question here and just as a way to stimulate your thinking of where your community is on this and what you've been doing in your community about the planning effort. So, we have a polling question here about uh, what components of a storm drain master planning effort has your agency completed uh, so that you have a chance to sort of check where you are and uh, how, you know, are you prepared uh, with the kind of information needed to det- uh, determine. Uh, the financing that you might want to consider while we're waiting for that I want to go to Tim Suford uh, Tim or anyone else on the panel for that matter um, but somebody is uh, really interested in the stormwater resource uh, plan uh, they're they're trying to develop such a plan for their uh, organi- organization organization um, and the state has had a grant program through prop one called the stormwater grant program Uh, where round one, according to this person, uh, was used to fund such uh, stormwater resource plans. Uh, But the window was passed for round one funding. So the person's wondering, hey, what other uh, funds might be available to get these planning efforts off the ground? Um, So any of you, uh, what what do you offer to our uh, audience member here about what to do?
2: I don't have any particular update on that. I was wondering, Dan, if you've, uh, in some of the recent projects, I'm trying to recall some of the uh, some of the various gr- uh, grants and such that were applied for, maybe Mill Valley and what have you. Anything right. come to mind? So,
4: yeah, so of all the, we've probably done about 25 Stormberry Master Plans. I can only think of one that actually had state funds, and that was for the county of uh, Santa Cruz maybe 15 years ago. Uh, But some are, some receive funds from maybe a local uh, flood control agency. So the city of Mill Valley is being funded by Marin County Flood Control and Water Conservation District, which is actually a state agency for some strange reason. But anyway, so there there are sometimes larger local um, agencies that can help, but typically, I'd say 23 of the 25 have been funded by general fund.
0: Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, so, uh, a, a quick comment from you, uh, Dan, about what you're seeing in terms of, you know, where uh, communities are at in their planning efforts, and anything that you would comment about about the those preparation areas
4: sure yeah so you know what's surprising is there's there's quite a few california communities that just don't have um storm gray master plans and which is surprising to me uh, you know a lot have plans that from the 60s or maybe the 90s those are kind of the periods that we saw a lot of effort in stormwater. but it's surprising how many communities just don't have a master plan they really don't know what they have in there and these are large communities with with money but it's just um yeah so, okay, so, so hopefully some hope, some my takeaway message done. is what's that
0: so some work to be done especially to get positioned to be able to um even get reach out and get the funding needed to from the community to get this job done absolutely okay well thank you very much so uh, we're going to turn next uh, to Lalo Perez and his description of the, of the example from the city of Palo Alto but our color commentator Tim Kirby is going to come in first and uh, highlight for you some of the things that to listen for and, and to look for in the Palo Alto example to help it uh, work effectively for you you know many people sort of look at Palo Alto and say oh my gosh that's a special place on the planet uh, that's not like our community, but oftentimes Palo Alto, because of its resources and, and forward thinking, is able to do things earlier that others can learn from. So, Tim Kirby, what what would you like your colleagues to be looking for as, as they're listening to Lalo?
1: Well, I think what what, what Lalo went through was it has a bunch of great lessons to be learned from, and uh, it you know they really were I think tenacious about getting it done. Um, I'd like to throw Lalo a couple curveballs. Um, first would be, um, how, how are escalating construction costs affecting, you know, the work you're doing now under, under your funding mechanism? And then also, um, recently for those of us who are in, in this, in Silicon Valley and probably most metropolitan areas, are, um, in, well, actually all over the state, um, housing costs are just, you know, through the roof and, We've really seen, um, you know, sort of a, a public rejection of anything that increases the cost of property ownership. So I'm wondering, Lalo, if you might, might talk about how you think, uh, your approach, your approach would work if you tried it today. So.
0: Okay. So tall order for Lalo here, but, uh, <laughs> a, a very capable guy. Uh, let's, let's take a look at, uh, those slides and, and get set up for Lalo to. Move forward here and Lalo thanks for coming on the screen and being part of the program um, so uh, please share your story and and how you can help us. your story be helpful to others
5: great well uh, thank you Don and good morning everybody uh, thank you for giving me the chance of sharing uh, Palo Alto's experience um, not everybody may know Palo Alto so let me do a quick uh, summary uh, It's a population of about 66,000 we have a budget of 670 plus million dollars total, of which about 210 is general fund money, and for this year our uh, storm drain fund is uh, 7 million. Um, I will address Tim's questions. I think they're really good and, and uh, part of uh, my thinking as I prepare for the presentation. So, so thank you for that. Uh, we created the storm drain fund uh, back in 1989 um, for some of the same reasons that you've been hearing from the prior. Uh, In 1993, uh, we hired consultants to help us do a storm drain condition and assessment uh, and as well as a master plan, Um, and therefore we created a property-related fee. Uh, We went down that route of $3.25 per month. Uh, The idea was to fund a capital program of about $60 million over 30 years uh mostly uh, capacity upgrades were included in that um the uh idea was that we would uh debt finance uh the projects
3: with a series of um fees uh, um increases over the years um,
5: the council then approved an increase in 1994 uh, of $4 to dollars cents um, so we were slowly trying to inch our way up uh, into completing the projects that we had. Um, then, as everybody knows, in 1996, Proposition 218 came into effect in limiting our ability to raise fees without voter approval. Uh, an important incident, uh, kind of touching in a little bit into what Tim was talking about, uh, it started 20 years ago. Uh, we had a major flood, and uh, over a 1,000 properties were damaged in Palo Alto. And so keep this in mind as I go through the next example, Uh, because just two years later, uh, we decided to do a mail ballot uh, initiative, uh, which is much less expensive than doing a county ballot. Um, And we mailed 20,000 property owners uh, seeking approval to increase the fee by more than doubling it to $9 with a CPI inflator and at that point we had narrowed down the projects to about $48 million over 30 years um i think the experience of the 1998 incident because they felt that we did not notify the community promptly or, or made them aware that the flood was incoming and the way they felt that we reacted during the incident uh played a role into the the results and it was a
3: resounding no 63% of the respondents uh
5: Um, So then we changed gears. Uh, We decided that we needed to do something different, um, and it was basically a staff-driven recommendation that that fell miserably. So we decided to to involve the community. Uh, We created a 15-member Blue Ribbon Stone Drainage Committee, uh, got leaders from the business area, uh, community Um, and including uh, uh, ex-elected officials that had come off the council and other boards and got them uh, together, um, had them review our needs, and decide uh, from there on a shorter list of projects to complete. So the projects that were identified were about uh, eight or nine projects that total about $17 million, and they were to be completed over the next 12 years and some of the key things that they added was that the fee would have a sunset and an annual cap of CPI. And so it was a more structure and and short list. So in 2005, we again tried to do the mail ballot, this time asking for a $10 per month fee, and it was successful. We received a
3: 58% approval rating uh, as, as a result. So, mind, so Lala, uh, what was key in that in that
0: shift from the one case to the other? Was it that uh, you this blue ribbon uh, committee? Was it that you got more facts and figures for people? You know, wh- what would you say were the key factors for success in in the turnaround?
5: So I, I uh, good question, and I think the the difference was that uh, instead of staff being out there doing the outreach, it was uh, the blue ribbon committee themselves doing the outreach. Uh, talking to fellow community members and distributing information on their own. Um, they provided material for the ballot measure discussions. Um, and so I think it was, it, they built the trust uh, as a result of, of, of being involved in assuring them that they had reviewed uh, the program and were really focusing uh, on, on a shorter list with an end date. I think those were the key differences there. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Do you mind uh, following my slide? I might having a little trouble seeing my... Okay. Thank you. Um, so, you know, back to Tim's question, uh, what about the escalating costs? So we ran into that. Um, we were fortunate to complete all $17 million worth of projects, but at one point, um, it looked like we were not going to be able to make it. Um, uh, you know, uh, actually going back to after the fail- first failure of the ballot, uh, mail ballot, uh, we ended up lending from the general fund the Storm Drain a million dollars. And so what we did is we documented that loan uh, and asked for that loan to be repaid over a period of time once the fund was in a better position. Um, to, and with the initiative that was passed, the, the loan was repaid. So here, you know, coming back to the seventeen million dollar uh, project. Um, we had one project that was over uh, the engineering estimate by quite a bit. And the council was made aware, and they were telling us, well, if you can't find any other way to do it, then the general fund is going to have to step up. And this time, we don't think it should be a loan. We think that we made a commitment to the community to complete this project, and we cannot fail on that commitment. Um, but then we got lucky. A silver lining, the deep recession hit us and construction costs came uh, down significantly where we were able to do it and complete all the projects and not have to borrow from the general fund. Uh, what we did learn was that CPI was not enough uh, as a growth on the fee. Um, so taking that lesson learned in 2007, last year, we asked for a split uh, of, the, of the fee. Uh, we asked for a permanent fee to be increased, uh, covering the ongoing cost of operations of $7.48 per month, and then having a capital need with a sunset of $6.17 uh, over 15 years. And again, we used the same approach, used the community-based, um, identifying the projects. Uh, we had several of the same Members that were part of the first or the last uh, committee uh, re enroll, and I think that kept the momentum going. So then we resulted in another positive uh, vote of uh, 64% uh, uh, going forward. So, this new fee that we have in place now, $13.65 per month, also uh, included uh, building a small reserve from what we had learned before. Um, Don, if you can advance me again, please. So the I think you know the lesson learned uh, in terms of um, Tim's question again on the housing cost that it, it is a very um, relevant point. Um, is the creation of the independent Blue Ribbon committee uh, and an oversight. Uh, so what we did, uh, we asked the same committee to continue their volunteer efforts and report, on an annual basis on the status of our projects. So annually they come to the city council, they independently do the review and write a memo or a report to the council stating where we are as a, as a staff on, on a project. So I think that builds a little bit of the uh, check and balance, if you will, to ensure that the monies are being spent and that we're completing the projects as we have committed. Uh, I think having the sunset, made a difference, uh, and I think that's why people voted yes, even though they knew that it was going to add to the cost of uh, their homes here in Palo Alto, which is quite expensive. Um, and then detailing the projects. Uh, I think if you have a specific uh, number of projects uh, that people can see, uh, and sometimes they can't see, right? They're on the ground, but the, the list itself, then they know what you, that there's an end. Uh, having the cap, uh, it also helps um we thought about maybe we need some other uh type of measure instead of a CPI maybe construction cost index but uh since C- people are familiar with CPI we left it at that and i think you know bringing the community together it's it's critical um the environmental interest has grown in town and that has also helped um, other lessons learned i think Focusing our presentations to council um, by including the community uh, input and uh, having uh, discussions with the media in more in depth had led to editorials in support of the measures, and we created clear and informative ballot materials through the volunteers that we had uh, supporting the initiative. Uh, they themselves raised over $20,000 for the campaign. Uh, They called property owners to inform them of the upcoming ballot. So it was a very involved effort, uh, and uh, I believe it was uh, better um, accepted because it was their their own people, the community leaders versus staff alone. Uh, So I think that's what led to the two uh, successful measures.
0: Just before you move on, Lalo, um, I'm wondering if you or other uh, panelists could – comment on whether they've observed any other community being able to pull off what you've described in Palo Alto. You know, I'm wondering, you know, people always ask, well, is Palo Alto a special case or could this actually be accomplished elsewhere? And um, it it would be interesting to have uh, panelists and and also our uh, audience members. If you know some place where this is working, you know, shoot us a Uh, A comment through the question function so we can share with others, but uh, I'm interested in you know Has this worked elsewhere and and what are the additional learnings from where it has worked?
4: So the one uh, other Bay Area community that was successful was the city of Burlingame But interesting enough it failed miserably the first time as well and they went back to the drawing board and got the community a little bit more involved they also changed the um the structure of the um the fee, but uh it, it passed overwhelmingly the second time. And then there's two um ballots out currently. Um the town of Moraga has one that's was due on Tuesday, so we'll see how that one turned out. And then I believe the city of Berkeley has a ballot out currently that's due at the end of the month. So those will be two more data points for us thank you Uh, uh,
0: guys any other um, experiences to share on this it seems like this is really critical you know you you can set up all these funding mechanisms but unless people uh, support them um, it it doesn't happen so any other observations
5: well I can tell you um, from uh, experience of in other projects as well uh, we were trying to raise funds for a Uh, junior museum that we have in town, and when we call it the Friends of the Zoo, JMC, um, got involved, um, they were able to raise $25 million uh, on donations, and the city ended up having to contribute about $7 million, and a lot of the effort was uh, grassroots, and by this particular group getting together so I think when you get the community involved uh, there's there's increase in trust or an increase in support and so I think that was the lesson learned from this and these other experiences that we've had in these initiatives
0: great thanks Um, so we've got a couple more questions that are coming in but let's go uh, Lalo to your comments about uh, how how to help your colleagues get started if they're just coming into this and what are some things that they can do
5: Yeah, um, you know, sometimes uh, funds can be challenging uh, to obtain, and especially if you're a small agency. Um, I talked about the loan concept that we had earlier uh, when we had the initial measure fail. Um, So I think that that's something to explore, to establish a a formal loan process uh, approved by your governing board. And they can be repaid over time. It could be over a 10-year period, whatever the period may be uh, that, that that fits to your organization. Um, and obviously, as you've been hearing, keep informed on the legal restrictions. Do get consulting experience. Uh, the report that we had done in 2015 uh, had a cost of about $250,000, so it can add up but it was essential because we needed a base to start our discussion with our community. Uh, I think, you know, the providing specific capital projects to be funded with uh, an annual inflator and an end uh, to the fee, uh, it's a great approach, uh, especially in our environment. than what Tim was talking about earlier, but you know, people are getting tax fatigue. Uh, or fee fatigue, um, so I think that's that's a crucial step uh, in, in our current environment, and then involving your community, uh, as we've been, you know, mentioning. And you know, CSMFO's a great organization, and um, there's a lot of um, great folks that are involved in our. Um, group that are willing to help, so see what other agencies are doing and see what applies. Maybe it's a little bit of Palo Alto, a little bit from somebody else, and you put it together to fit the uh, agency needs that you work for. Uh, Thank you for uh, giving me the chance to explain Palo Alto's experience.
0: Well thank you, Lalo. Uh, really appreciate it and all your service to the profession over so many years and look forward to your continued involvement. So we're gonna go to Tim uh Suford for a moment, uh to do a couple of wrap up slides. Then we have an important element which is uh, you know, how to um where you are on your checklist, some guidance on that, some uh resources to help you and a couple more polling questions. So uh please stick with us and uh Tim, why don't you uh help us Uh, sort through some of these final items here about resources and and uh, things that they can do to help and then we'll we'll give uh, people some additional tools and uh, be wrapping up uh, the webinar on time today
3: great
2: thanks Don and Lalo so you know really what what you're seeing through all of this is that it takes a real a multi-pronged approach and I'd say just sort of historically the General Fund has picked this up for so many years that even though Prop 13 has been around for 40 years now, <laughs> it's like there's institutional memory that we just keep going back. And, and obviously the General Fund can't pick pick up all of this in, in many, many communities. So it takes a thoughtful approach. Uh, the Palo Alto one in particular was extremely thoughtful, thinking through even the dichotomy of the, the capital versus the ongoing maintenance and how that was structured. In what was presented back to the community after getting community input. Uh, you look at Culver City, I mentioned, as the first parcel tax that's, that's really a, um, focused more on the environment. But even the, the planning process for communities out in the Central Valley or the in- Inland Empire, where they're building in things like uh, you know, the parks that can be storm stormwater uh, basins when, when there are large storm events yeah so it has to be a real holistic approach and a thoughtful a thoughtful one um there's a lot of different resources but the ones that are, that that we put on the slide here are are related to the conversation that that we're having today um the the league has their 218 implementation guide which is is obviously about um you know putting in taxes and fees and that kind of thing um we we distributed our uh our stormwater ten step plan um at the CSMFO and if somebody wants to send me an email I'm happy to send them a copy of that. And we also have a special financing district primer and a rate and fee uh compendium we call it. Uh CSDA has a, a mirror to the league with their Prop 218 implementation guide that, that that's definitely uh worth having and should be on your bookshelf if you're a special district. Um this is more national in scope, so it doesn't completely get California finances correct, but as an overall sort of introduction to the issue, uh, NRDC has an issue brief that that came out recently called Making It Rain, Effective Stormwater Fees Can Create Jobs, Build Infrastructure, and Drive Investment in Local Communities, is the full title. And then, um, you know, kind of more at the pedestrian level, I would almost say there's a news clip, uh, a recent uh news story about stormwater and just sort of all the things that go on. And as, as Dan mentioned early on, it so many times it's education because so much of this stuff is literally underground. Folks are just not
3: um, thinking about it. So it's an it's an education process. Um, there's 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 lots to be done. Uh, can you forward that there, Don? So, our, um,
2: information and contact, uh, info is, is there.
3: And at this point, I think it's, uh, it's happy hour somewhere. <laughs> so, we have time for
2: questions and, uh, answers. So, Don, would you like to, uh, facilitate that? We
0: want this to be a happy hour for our audience. Uh, so let's take a look <laughs> at, uh, where they are in their actions that they would suggest to their agency to get started you saw the the checklist I've I've uh, called some items from that checklist that Lalo uh, provided to you uh, Click off as many as you think uh, Would be appropriate to recommend to your agency uh, So that you could get started and help your community get started in addressing this challenging uh, project uh, need that is going to take a multifaceted effort as, as our colleagues are highlighting here so, so let, while, while we're getting the polling questions uh, responded we've got some great questions that have come in that from our audience that are uh, the answers will help illuminate so, a number of the points that our presenters have made so let me send this first one out uh, to um, to t- uh, Tim Suford and then any other of the, of the panelists that want to chime in um, but step one of your 10 step plan, uh, shows water utility as a potential funding source for stormwater. You know, how do you, could you talk a little bit more about the nexus? You, you talked about the challenges of that, but could you talk a little bit about, more about the nexus? And has the agency successfully achieved that revenue source?
2: Yes. Uh, well, the example that I gave uh, a couple of times is in the, you know, the sewer and the infiltration and that kind of thing. There's a, there's a connection there. Um, it really is going to go back to what's going on in your local community, whether or not there is a, um, a nexus uh, for, the, for water supply. And, and the issue I mentioned um, was whether or not you're able to to harvest, if you will, um, storm water as part of um, your water supply um recycled water that kind of thing um all of this has to be done with obviously some engineering and some financial engineering to 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 do the due diligence and uh ensure that it's transparent and and meets the the sort of sniff test if you will um but certainly um it, it can be done and SB 231 uh, really what i would say is bolstered bolstered that case um Assuming you, again, justify it.
0: And and then we have another question here that um, uh, would go, I think, initially to Lalo, uh, but maybe to others. uh, And and perhaps to you as well, Tim Sufert, uh, from your broader experience. But uh, with a sunset clause included, uh, it makes it difficult to secure long-term debt. Was this considered and does the lack of long-term financing reduce the pace of completing projects or the cost of completing them?
5: uh yeah so it was uh included in, in the thought process and the thinking was that um you know we had to split out the the two the operating costs and the capital uh to to help us uh, in that in that planning to make the numbers work um so it is it's definitely something that that needs to be factored in um in the review okay Um, and then uh, this is a
0: question for both you Lalo and for Tim Kirby from Sunnyvale Uh, do the cities of Palo Alto and Sunnyvale have a separate stormwater fund and is it a special revenue fund or an enterprise fund in other words how are you structuring this uh, in terms of your finances and and how you report them
5: Uh, for Palo Alto it it is uh, an enterprise fund uh, separate from the others, um, and uh, that's how we structure the loan from uh, general fund to enterprise fund. Okay.
1: And for Sunnyvale, there, we don't have a special fund. It's a, it's all in the general fund.
5: All right.
0: Uh, but you're planning some activities or contemplating kind of some activities in Sunnyvale. Is that correct, Tim Kirby? And would you be switching over to a special fund then as you do when you do that or or are you keep it in the general fund?
1: It's something that we're we we would like to look at a separate fund um we haven't started that process yet, but that's that's on our list to do um, okay. because it's such a significant impact on the general fund
0: okay we're gonna to go to some more questions in a moment and get all the panelists back on the screen here in a second so uh fire up your um uh, webcams here, but uh, while we're on the uh, polling results here, I'd like to go to Lalo and to Tim Kirby on this one. Uh, what are you seeing from your uh, colleagues here about uh, their thoughts on on getting, you know, how, how to get started and, and what reactions do you have to that and encouragement or suggestions?
5: Uh, well i'm pleasantly surprised to see the 80% uh learning from each other i think that's that's great and i think you know by seeing the attendance at the annual conference i think it 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 demonstrates that we we are getting benefits from getting together and sharing our experiences so that's that's really good to see and and then the community involvement i think that that's a a, a nice high percentage too i think we're all learning that uh communicating with our community and and, and leaders uh to get our initiatives uh,
3: understood, uh, it's, it's key. And I, I agree with
1: that. Uh, I agree with that, and I, I, I also think really getting your arms around the costs um, is is really critical because uh, they are significant and they're not all obvious.
0: right and it sounds like a key thing that i'm hearing from all of you today is that this isn't like just a, a a one tool out of the financing toolkit to make this work so while you know finance people might be waiting for master plans to be done or cost estimates to be provided to them there's actually a very proactive role for local government finance professionals to be uh, engaged in that process they can be thinking creatively about how they could tap different Financing tools and package things together to try to make this work Uh, Because thinking that you know, okay We'll just find what the need is and then we'll go finance it with a typical single
3: tool is Not going to get there. Is that is that a am I reading you, right? Yes, I agree with that. Yes, absolutely So uh, Uh, we're going to bring back all of our folks
0: Go, go ahead, please. Sorry
2: that's okay. I was just going to go back to the question two questions ago, I guess, and I would just encourage folks, challenge people even to to think outside the box a little bit on that financing. You know, a lot of this is timing and, for example, development impact fees, right, And the and the amount of money that you get in and the timing of when do you pull the trigger and build the infrastructure with those impact fees coming in or um doing like what what they did with Lalo in the in Palo Alto and in some significant funding you can look at various um uh, funds um like state revolving fund perhaps or bank loans in addition to traditional bonds and that kind of thing if you were to do a a geo bond for community infrastructure that would include some stormwater you're figuring out the best way to do that obviously the most cost effective way um to do that is is definitely part of finance's challenge.
0: Okay. I'm mean, even hearing some agencies you know uh, using sales tax increases as a way to boost the uh, revenues of the general fund and to look for you know and, and they try to identify projects that are really compelling to the community. Is anybody doing that and is that something that um, is a possibility?
3: No what um, anybody has an example. Here, go ahead Lala. Uh, I'm sorry. I was going to say no for Palo Alto, but uh, yes,
5: you're right. There's others that are doing it. What we did is instead we used the hotel tax. We increased it from 12% to 14% a couple of years ago. Uh, And while not formally dedicating it to uh, to infrastructure, we said that that was our intent. And so we're generating about eight million dollars that we're uh, using to fund a public safety facility that we're going to build. And so. That was successful, and I believe part of it was because the community felt that this is a tax that the tourists are paying or the business people are paying instead of the residents.
0: Yeah, so that was your TOT? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So I, I guess the message that's really coming across here as you're thinking, having your discussions after this webinar is... Uh, yeah again don't don't wait to find out what the stormwater financing needs are because you need to be thinking about when are these times and opportunities as uh things are happening in your financing activities, be it sales tax, be it um you know other uh, development fees, et cetera. You need to be looking at where are those strategic chances and they may come up only every couple of years uh to make your move and to help your uh, community achieve what it wants to achieve. Uh, so lots of things to gain and benefit uh, from that discussion Uh, you've got the contact uh, material for people we really appreciate the uh, efforts that the panels made to uh, enhance and augment uh, the materials for this webinar from what they presented which was very good itself in uh, in Riverside but to add to that so we want to go and get some feedback from you about how this was valuable this is important Uh, in terms of uh, helping to lock in what you got as value out of the session and to give some feedback to our uh, presenters uh, and myself in organizing this. So uh, click off as many items as you found value from in today's session, and then we're going to be going to a couple of uh, final items uh, to address in uh, today's session and uh, uh, some closing comments and advice from our um, panelists about, you know, what you might take away from today and how that could be valuable to you so uh we'll be finishing right on time today and uh, appreciate your continued participation in the in the session here Um, what what we're trying to do with all these sessions is really make sure that you're getting the tools and techniques and things to take action and move forward so uh, we have a post webinar uh survey and we're asking for topics and things that we can do to be of even more value to you in these sessions so uh let us know as you come up with let's take a quick look at what people got out of today's session um, can see that a big one was getting insights from experience in other communities boy thanks a lot you all uh, did a great job in sharing those across your experience and Lalo and in, in delving more deeply in your own and Tim Kirby and and uh, talking about how you're grappling with this in Sunnyvale, so big kudos there. Uh, The alternative funding mechanisms is huge. Uh, There was no one silver bullet that came out of today, but uh, there were uh, multiple things, and so uh, the challenge is going to be keeping on top of those, figuring out what's right for your community, uh, and the 10-step plan as a way to uh, have a structure for thinking through and working on all this. So uh, kudos to you, uh, presenters, for your... Your work today so what I want to do is uh, inform everybody that here's, we're going to send a, a automatic notice out when the digital recording is available so you can share it with your colleagues um, and the follow-up survey is there we do have an upcoming uh, webinar on the seven deadly sins control over cash collections that's become more and more important uh, we'll be having that next month. Encourage you to participate in that session. Uh, so, lots to do. So, what we're going to do here at the end is I'm just going to go kind of rapid fire Tim uh, Suford, uh, Dan Schaff, uh, Lalo uh, Perez, and then closing with Tim Kirby uh, a quick comment and takeaway for your colleagues. Uh, on on what they can do or what you'd encourage them to uh remember and apply from today's session. So uh Tim Sufert, if you go first, thanks for your all your work in organizing this session.
2: Sure. Well it was uh fun to be here. Glad to be with you all. I would just encourage folks to to be just proactive and and think about uh what applies in their community, certainly learning from others, but every community is different and in California is big on local control and um You have to look at a number of different levers to try to make the most sense out of stormwater and uh, ensure that the the funding and financing uh, is something
3: that's going to be sustainable over the long haul.
0: Great.
4: Dan Schaff? Get a storm drain master plan, simply put.
5: Okay. Lalo? I think getting involved with your service clubs in the community. uh, Get more people to get to know you. And so I think being face-to-face with uh, members of the community and then also keeping relationships with uh, elected officials that have come off the board or the council uh, so when you need them, you can reach out. Okay, thanks. Great advice. Uh, Tim Kirby, what's your
0: takeaway for us as our color commentator?
1: Well, thanks to the panelists. Uh, That was a great session. Um, Again, one funding solution is not the answer, I don't think. Watch the courts to see how... Um, you know legislation develops and um, if you're doing a fee invest in your public outreach do some polling first get your information and lastly there's enough trash capture infrastructure out there now um, Again talk to talk to your colleagues in other cities and find out what's working and what's not and what the most cost effective approach is.
0: Okay well, uh thank you all panelists uh, for your outstanding work on this and thank you all the members of csmfo and your team members that have joined you for this session uh we're here through the csmfo coaching program to help you thrive in your local government finance career and let us know what we can do to assist you in that Uh, these webinars are just part of that there's one-to-one coaching there's a whole series of other resources that are available at uh, CSMFO so we encourage you to take part in those and thank you
3: so much and have a great day have a good day everybody